This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. We are back here at the Leaders Lens podcast. Thank you. You made it back. I appreciate that about you. I really do. I hope you're having a good day. This quarter's all about conflict resolution. We talked about it on the last episode, but conflict is expensive. Having conflict that's unresolved in your workplace, having people on your team that don't know how to deal with conflict in an effective and healthy way is expensive. It costs you productivity. It costs you great ideas. It can cost you great employees. And it's just overall not a fun experience for anybody. Coming to a place where there's unhealthy conflict is not fun. People don't like it. So I'm here to help out. And I'm going to give you a heads up. My back is killing me. So if you're watching this video and you see me kind of grimace, that's why I'm done with the strained back. It's not the most fun, but I'm working through it. I'm going to be okay. But I wanted to kind of give you that heads up. Today, we are talking about the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Instrument, also known as TKI. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's a tool designed by psychologists Kenneth Thomas and Ralph Kilman to measure an individual's behavior in conflict situations. Now, this was developed in the 70s and it identifies five primary conflict handling modes based on two dimensions. They have assertiveness and cooperativeness. And we'll look at what those five conflict modes are and how we can identify them and what some of the risks are involved as well. Um, you'll probably hear some of these and you'll be looking at people on your team. You'll be looking at yourself, hopefully, as well, and, and helping with your self-awareness and understanding where you fit, how you can help other people. Um, so it's a big deal to understand this. And it helps individuals understand their preferred conflict resolution strategies and adapt them to different situations effectively. And that's what you want. You want people to understand their natural tendencies, but you also want to help them grow and understand how they can be better at resolving conflict because if we are leaders, we want to develop other leaders on our team. And that means building people and helping people build the skills required to be proactive problem solvers. That's a big deal. It really is. When you have people on your team that can resolve their own conflict, they can communicate effectively. It just makes everything else easier. Problems come out quicker so you can get in front of them. People aren't hiding things. People aren't hiding mistakes. People are you know, being empathetic of how people feel, but they're also able to provide constructive feedback, which just accelerates the growth process so much, which is just incredible. So, so many benefits to conflict resolution and the Thomas Cohen conflict mode instrument helps out a ton. So the five preferred methods of dealing with conflict, let's, let's look at each of them. So first we have competing, collaborating, compromising, avoiding, and accommodating. Now, this tool allows individuals and teams to reflect on their conflict resolution strategies and develop a more constructive and adaptive approach. So let's look at each of these. So first, let's start with competing. This is high assertiveness, low cooperativeness. It's power-oriented where people want to seek to satisfy their own interests, even at the expense of others. Now, if you're a highly, highly motivated person, if you're career-focused, you're thinking of that next opportunity for yourself where you have people on yourself who you know are just extremely ambitious, extremely driven, a lot of times they're going to fit into this mold. They're really thinking through, how do I accomplish my goals? 
How do I make sure I get myself in that room where the decisions are being made? And a lot of times this can come at the expense of other people. And even though this one person might find success with this approach, they might, you know, recruit allies to help them out as well. But overall, it creates a challenging environment because it's always a win-lose situation. So even though they're coming out, they're feeling victorious at the end of it, somebody else is feeling like they lost. And if you're a team, that's not what you want. You want to make sure everybody's looking for win-win solutions. So the competing conflict mode has, has some drawbacks. Another one we have is avoiding. This is low assertiveness and low cooperativeness. It involves just not addressing the conflict at all, ignoring it, maybe postponing that difficult conversation. And honestly, in my opinion, this is the worst one. This is where you get a lot of passive aggressiveness. You get a lot of people that don't want to talk about things, don't want to work through them. And a lot of times it's probably because they just don't see the value in it. Like they just don't care enough to resolve these problems. They're at work for eight hours and they're going to go home and not think about it. But the result is that for those eight hours, they're not able to be as effective because there's this conflict that's not being addressed. So your team or your business is struggling because you have people that are not able or not willing to have conversations that are needed to happen, that need to happen in order for the team to really thrive and be at their best. So avoiding, you think of quiet quitting, you think of just disengagement, like this where this camp's going to fit in. They don't care enough to, to bring things up. Then we have accommodating. So low assertiveness, high cooperativeness. This is where we put somebody else's needs above our own. This might even be safety concerns. There might be just sometimes type of concerns that you have, but you're putting those aside to let somebody else come through. And so if you have a competing mode versus accommodating mode, like the competing mode is always going to win because they're like my way or the highway. The accommodating is like, well, you know, I want you to, to feel supported. So I'm going to let you win. And the problem with this is that you don't always have the best solutions come from this, right? The accommodating person with the accommodating conflict mode, they might have a great idea, but they are concerned about bringing it to the table because they're worried about how people feel or they're more focused on letting somebody else get a win as opposed to thinking through how do we create a win-win situation? Why don't I have to keep taking an L? Because eventually that person is probably going to get sick of it. They're going to get burnt out. They're going to be done. They're going to want to go somewhere where they feel valued. And if this is a, a valuable teammate, you want to make sure you're able to coach them through how to look out for their own interests and not always put their interests aside, right? We want great team players. We want people to have a selfless mentality at times, but we also want to make sure people know like it's okay to stand up for yourself. You are important as well. Then we have compromising. So it's kind of in the middle between assertiveness and cooperativeness. Sometimes this is the, the best option we have where one side gives a little, the other side gives a little, and we meet somewhere in the middle, but it's still not ideal, right? Nobody, still nobody really feels like they win in this situation, even though it is better than competing. It is better to have both sides accommodating as opposed to just one. This is a good option, but it's not the best, right? If we're compromising, we're giving in, we're taking a little, like we don't have the best idea. We just have something that's good enough, Right. The best option where we really want to be is collaborating. So high assertiveness, high cooperativeness. It involves finding mutually beneficial solutions that fulfill and satisfy the concerns of all parties. This is where you're really finding those win-win situations. This is where you're finding everybody's able to put their best foot forward. Everybody's able to use their strengths. Everybody's contributing. We're thinking of things from all angles. And we're able together to come up with an idea that is better than any individual could have come up with on their own. 
This is the ideal space that you want your team to be in, is in that collaborating mode. So how do we get there? So I have a friend, Sarah, that stepped into a new role as a leader. There was just a lot going on with this team. Trust had been broken with the previous leaders. They didn't really respect or trust the leaders above Sarah either, but they also didn't trust each other. I mean, there was just, it was a tough place to be. It was a tough situation, but she did a really good job of taking time to be empathetic and understand what was going on and ended up creating a culture where people were able to have conversations, where they were able to start working through things. And it's amazing because when you start, when you have this team where things just are, it feels like it's falling apart. Nobody really gets along. Nobody's really communicating. Like there's clicks that are forming. It can be overwhelming as a new leader. And there are probably times where you ask yourself, like, what did I sign up for? What did I get myself into? Can I go back to what I did before? Like some of you have probably been in this sort of a situation. But the amazing thing about helping your team communicate with each other is that it feels like you're making no progress at all. Like things aren't happening. And then all of a sudden, like people just start working together, things start happening, problems getting start getting solved proactively. And I think Sarah has a really good roadmap of how she incorporated the TKI model in allowing her team to understand how to better communicate. And a mistake a lot of leaders make that she avoided is you have this problem, like, all right, let's get together and let's have a team meeting or let's do a workshop and let's focus on developing this skill. The problem with conflict and trust issues is that if your team doesn't trust each other, they're probably not going to be communicating super effectively in a group setting at first. You'll have a lot more success first doing the hand-to-hand combat. And what I mean by that is setting aside time to get to know each person individually, understand their perspective of a problem, help take time to understand what's most important for them, what they see as causing a lot of the downstream problems that the team is facing, just taking that time to listen and be empathetic, keep an open mind and assume the best intentions. What you'll find out is that everybody's trying hard. Like There are very few situations where somebody's showing up to work and just wants to be toxic. Like that's generally, fortunately, that's generally not what happens, but there are, there are situations that we have to have to address, but generally not. Like generally people have very good intentions or just something that's getting in the way that's creating the space where they don't feel confident or they don't trust their team enough to be open with communication and and do their best to work. So those one-to-one meetings have a big impact. The second piece I'll say is that lack of accountability is the number one thing that causes trust issues on teams. If you're a leader and you're not holding people accountable for what they say they do, your team is not going to trust you as a leader. So when things happen, conflict arise, they're not going to want to bring it to you, but they're also it's also going to cause mistrust on the team as well. So that's something for you to be thinking through. The next thing Sarah did is after having the conversation is then she started addressing some of the issues that were happening one-on-one, but she brought the, uh, the TKI mo- model to a meeting and she talked about what each of these steps were. So she talked about what it meant to have a collaborative approach to problem solving and working through conflict. She talked about what it meant to be competing versus accommodating and, and some of the downfalls of avoiding and helped the team really understand where they fit on the chart, where they felt the team fit on the chart, most likely, uh, most often rather, and just gave them some context and common language they could use when resolving conflict. 
Because often if we are competing or we are accommodating, like we're not thinking through what our conflict resolution style is. We just have this thing that's important to us that we use as kind of a lens when we're making decisions. So by having this context and helping people understand there are different ways to approach conflict resolution, they were able to be more intentional in how they did it moving forward. They had this common vocabulary, but it also increased their awareness on what their actions were and some of the potential downfalls of their actions as well. Again, people are having the best intentions. It's just sometimes there's a lack of awareness on how their actions are actually impacting the team. So Sarah started out individual conversations. Then she moved to a conversation introducing the concepts of TKI and then started having the follow-up conversation. So now that the team has this common language that they're using, when conflict arose, and especially in one-on-one conversations, she was able to bring this vocabulary back to the conversation. So when things were happening, she was able to talk through and ask her team, like, what style are we using right now? Is this the best style for this approach? What would be a different approach? And just having that framework allowed the team to have a better context and understanding what they could do to actually resolve conflict and be more effective in that. It also helped create open dialogue where now people were aware that there was conflict. They realized everybody kind of felt that this conflict was happening, but it wasn't getting taken care of. She did a good job of setting specific goals for the team, giving the team something to rally behind. So now instead of these one-off conflicts, we need to keep everybody focused on the goal. Things that are getting in the way of the goal, that's when we need to have conversations with the team and rally around what can we do to keep moving forward because we all are aligned that this is most, most important to us. We just need to figure out how can we get there. So by establishing a clear goal, it helps the team stay focused on this target as opposed to coming to work and only being focused on these little things that are happening that are, are annoying or creating a distraction. So to giving them the target was another big piece that Sarah did well in helping resolve conflict and creating a place where people were able to be collaborative. Something else that I love that she did I want to call out is develop realistic and relevant conflict scenarios tailored to the team's work context. So as a follow-up activity, what she would actually do is she would create different scenarios and give the team a chance to discuss what should we do when this happens. These scenarios were definitely close to the things they were experienced, but not exactly. They were hypothetical situations, but it gave the team a chance to rally around the concept and the idea as opposed to pointing fingers. So these conversations weren't about who's doing what wrong. It's about, hey, this thing happens on the team. If this happened on our team, what should we do to approach this? So the team was now bought in and invested in creating and collaborating, right? Right now they're collaborating in this workshop, but they're collaborating, creating a framework for when conflict comes up. So in one of the follow-up workshops that she did, they actually left with a roadmap of, Here's what we'll do when conflict happens on our team. Everybody was bought into it because they helped create it. She had already taken the steps individually to have the conversations. She was addressing some of the issues that were brought up. So she was developing trust there. And now she's working to help the team collaborate where she's seeing trust happen within the team. So starting with individual conversations, getting to know people, being empathetic, following up, doing what she says she'll do. So now she's developing trust with the team, but then taking the next step and helping the team develop trust within each other, within themselves. By introducing this framework, this context, so there's a common language that she was able to introduce, having follow-up one-on-one conversations again with the team to answer their questions and 
see where they felt they were at with the the different conflict styles and then follow up activities where now they're actually workshopping and they're working through how to collaborate in dealing with conflict effectively. Incredible roadmap by Sarah. I hope you'll follow it in every week, Leaders Lens. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. If you enjoy this, if you're getting value out of this podcast, I would love for you to share with a friend. Leave a five-star review. I need more reviews. I don't have a ton on Spotify or Apple. Helps out a ton if you take the time to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. It's a big deal. And if there are topics you want me to be writing about or you want me to talk about on the podcast, shoot me an email at jacobatworkweek.com. I appreciate you so much. This is so much fun. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 